Hello, it's Greg here. We're bringing you once again another edition of the It Was a Thing on TV remastered series. Now, because episode 6 was very short, which was Meow Manor, which was less than 20 minutes, which is what we would consider on the show today to be the requirement for a mini-sode, we are going to release two episodes in the remastered series in one drop for you today here on the Podbean feed. And the episode following this, of course, is episode 7, Lidsville. Now, I improved the audio quality of this, and I finished the assembly cut of the remaster about maybe a good week, two weeks ago. And it's come to my attention, as you probably all may or may not have heard recently, that Billy Hayes, who was in the series Witchville, passed away recently this week at the age of 96. And so we would like to send our sympathies to the family and friends of Billy Hayes, and may she rest in peace. Now, let's get on with the drop as we talk about Meow Manor with me and Mike, and then we discuss Woodsville. So here we go. This is It Was a Thing on TV. It's, uh... Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity! Welcome to the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, episode 6, submission 074, Meow Manor. Meow Manor aired on Up TV from November 8th of 2017 to April 7th of 2018 for a total of 19 episodes. And guess what? Since there's no episodes online and you actually have to pay to see them, you're not getting an opening. We're starting the show right now. Oh, thank heavens. So, well, first, Up TV, uh, maybe people don't know what it is. It's a reasonably new channel. Uh, I I don't want to call it a digital sub-channel because it might be some places a digital subchannel, some places it might be a cable channel. Uh, it's very, very reminiscent of the um, the religious channels that you see that show 12, 15, 18 hours of reruns a day. Uh, they're no different, except they don't really show any sort of religious programming. They show more family-friendly programming in terms of uh, Gilmore Girls, uh, Seventh Heaven. I think they've shown. Uh, they have a couple of uh, they have a couple of their own uh, original series. They show Home Improvement. They have well, Reba. They they have Reba. Uh, they also show a lot of Whose Line Is It Anyway after about ten eleven o'clock at night. But the big catch is it's highly censored. If you remember what Family Channel did to Whose Line Is It Anyway like 10 to 15 years ago where they censored out quite a bit because it was too offensive for Pat Robertson. Imagine this on an exponential level where like, I don't want to say everything is bleeped out, but a lot more than usual is bleeped out. So there was a show, uh, and this was actually very popular. It made the news about two, two and a half years ago. It was from Iceland who, probably besides this is best known for giving us Bjork and lazy town. If you've ever seen that on Nickelodeon, it was big in my family about 15 years ago. So I don't know if people remember that, 
But there was a show that literally, like, almost every TV in Iceland was watching. And we're talking about a country of 360,000 people. So, A, there's probably not many television options in a country that small. But also, B, there's just not that many people watching in terms of total number, not in terms of proportion or share or percentages. So the Icelandic broadcaster Nutimin, N-U-T-I-M-I-N-N, they had a reality show which could be best described as, as, as Big Brother, but with cats. And the cats aren't evicted. It's just essentially a giant cat video, like a 24-7 stream of watching cats in a three-sided house with actually it's like four-sided but the fourth uh, wall is plexiglass so you can see in there and uh you're just, they're just watching cats i understand that i mean it could be very therapeutic because you know cats make people relaxed cats don't really get into trouble of any sort they're they're very pleasing to watch everybody loves cat videos I know Greg loves cat videos. Yes, I enjoy the occasional cat video here or there. And we also enjoy the the occasional cat meme. And in my case, I have to enjoy two cats, which I generally do. So this TV show, and I'm not even joking you about this name. It's not keeping up with the Kardashians. It's keeping up with the Katarsians. Oh, my God. It's an Icelandic pun. The word Katar, K-A-T-T-A-R, is Icelandic for cat. So basically it means keeping up with the Katarsians. It isn't Kardashians, it's Katarsians. Now I understand why Iceland has so much incest. That's a reference to the Omnibus podcast with uh, John Roderick and Ken Jennings, by the way. They had an episode about that maybe two months ago. Very interesting. Yeah, so these there's four cats, or four kittens, I should say, and they're playing in this, this house. It's a two-story house, and there's like an attic on top, and there's a bedroom or a, and a living room in the bottom, and... The big thing, and this goes actually back to last week's episode about That's My Dog and Think Like a Cat. There is blatant advertising everywhere, everywhere for what could probably best be described as Chewy, but for Iceland. I don't even remember the name of the of the website, but I remember going there after seeing this on Meow Manor because, yes, I did see an episode of Meow Manor. I admit it. I'm probably one of like a dozen people who saw this and, and lived to survive and or lived to tell the story about it. But um, so, yeah, th- this was like I- Icelandic pet smart, which is, I mean, a, a good advertisement, but I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it, there's just like cardboard signs just sitting there with the URL, whatever the name of the, the advertiser is dot. I believe the domain code is I E for Iceland. Or I see. IE is, is Ireland, I believe. So, yeah, uh, whatever the website is, dot IE or IC. 
And yeah, it's and the way they did the show, at least Meow Manor, not necessarily the Icelandic version, but Meow Manor was just translated or had um, narration done, not unlike Meerkat Manor. If you remember, that was actually a, a very popular show on Animal Planet probably about 15 years ago. Meerkat Manor had Sean Astin doing narration for meerkats living in their natural setting in in Africa. Here we, we here I'm sorry. What? Sean Astin doing narration. So, so you've never heard of Meerkat Manor? No, I have not. Oh, this was like I said, probably one of the the biggest shows that um that Animal Planet had like 15 years ago. It was just cameras. I, I don't know if it was um BBC cameras, or I think it was BBC. I, I don't think it was uh, Animal Planet cameras. I don't think they had quite the budget at the time. And what uh, this uh, show was about was about a family of meerkats, and they were filmed in the Kalahari Desert. And they actually gave the cats na- or the meerkats names. I can't really tell you the names. I, I never really paid attention to the show. Plus, also. How can you tell the meerkats apart? Maybe by their their fur, their stripes, if there's any stripes. I mean, I look at one meerkat, they look like all meerkats. But yeah, Sean Astin, he did series one through three, and then Stockard Channing did series four. Because that that's a good replacement, Stockard Channing. Yeah, and... and it ran from 2005 until 2009. So yeah, it ran for almost four years. Uh, and it, it is about, like I said, well, at, at its earliest, it's just over 10 years old, but realistically it's close to 15 years old and it did air in the UK. I, I think it was a BBC uh, documentary of uh, some sort. So we are talking about meerkat manner. Now, now we're talking merely cats. I uh, see how I transitioned there. Meerkat, and now we're talking merely cats. Oh, God. Okay, I'll take that as a yes. So, Meow Manor, it followed four kittens, and these are Icelandic names. They may have given them American names. I don't remember enough about the show to tell you whether they Americanized the names, but the kittens were called Gwoni, Ronya, Breet, and Stuber. Household names for cats. And you thought and you thought Bunoodles was weird. Gwoni, Ronya, Breet, and Stuber. Oh man, and, when I my firstborn, I'm gonna name him Stuber. Stuber Diener. I I'd love for that to happen. Stuber Diener. So yeah, this this show just like I said, th- there's nothing out of the unusual. And, and Greg can vouch for this because he saw this video, or at least may have seen this video. Uh, I found actual footage, I think it was about an hour of the stream or hour and a half of the stream. And I even warned Greg, I said, yeah, here's the video of Keeping Up with the Katarsians. Spoiler, none of the cats really moved for the first 20 minutes. And none of the cats did move. I mean, maybe you'd see the one you know, licking itself, cleaning itself, 
uh, but you didn't see any of the cats interacting for 20 minutes into the video, a little bit over 20 minutes. And this was like really a really big hit in Iceland. Apparently, as Greg said earlier, they must be very bored in Iceland. But that was actually the first set of cats. For future seasons of Keeping Up with the Katarsians, they actually brought on new kittens. And one of the things that actually, uh, something good that came out of this is that the kittens on the uh, each series, they would be adopted out. So that's a good sign. At least the cats are finding homes. They're not staying in the shelters. And they were shelter cats to begin with. Yeah. So they so they all found homes, and then they bring on another batch of cats. And um, actually, I'm going to take back what I said about the the uh, plexiglass, and Greg will see why in a moment. Okay, look at the uh, – there, there's a number of animated GIFs on there. Okay. Clicking on it now. The, the, okay, the first one is animated. Or the first, there's one animation near the top. Okay. I'm seeing I'm seeing the one with the N. Is that what it is? Yes. There's no plexiglass there. <laughs> no, there Look is what the cat does. The the cat jumped on some sort of cat scratcher and then leapt onto the second floor, bypassing the stairs, and there's obviously a set of stairs there. Yeah, it's like screw that. I'm gonna climb that this. Well, you see, now I've got bigger issues because if the cats, if this isn't in like the the uh, adoption center or uh, animal control or what have you, if this is on a sound stage and they're just having cats loose on the sound stage, that just I, I don't like that. I, just, I, well, you don't want the cat running off the sound stage, so I'm gonna assume that this was done in either a smaller studio or maybe in the uh, the protection society or, or what have you, the, the, the no kill shelter or whatever. Yeah, it'd have to be. But yeah, on top of the, the cats that are, um, that were adopted out from this show, there actually was, uh, a, a huge rise in the adoption rate of cats from shelters in Iceland. So there's a good there. There's a very good. Yes. The uh, the show was actually uh, I mentioned is produced or what uh, was the most rated highest rated show on Nutimin, which actually is an Icelandic news channel, not even a entertainment channel per se. It's it's the CNN of Iceland, and they showed cats, which probably tells you how much news they had going on in Iceland at any given day. But, uh, yeah, one thing that really – one big takeaway from this was that the show aimed to uh, raise awareness about stray cats and trying to find them homes in Iceland. And there was actually a significant growth in the cat adoption rate in Iceland once the show started. So, I mean, this may have been something a little goofy that was on TV, but it did some good. Because people who at least aren't allergic to cats love cats, and they found these cats loving homes, forever homes, in a country where really 
I don't know how long a stray cat could live in Iceland because it's not exactly yeah, 85 degrees uh, in the summertime or the wintertime in Iceland. It's very cold. But, yeah, this was a bona fide hit for Nutimin. That sounds like either a bad vitamin or some sort of nutritional supplement. Nutimin. Yeah. And. Wow! Nutimin. Oh, gosh. I'm. No, I'm. I'm. No. No, 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 no. Um. So keeping up with the Katarsians was a big hit for Nutimin. But. It lasted only, as I said earlier, 19 episodes on on Up TV, and it's not even available for rerun anywhere. There's no episodes on YouTube. There's some footage, some clips, some promos. But if you actually want to see it through the Up TV app or through Amazon Prime, it costs like $10 a month. And with all due respect to UpTV, I can watch two adorable girls fighting here on a daily basis, and it doesn't cost me $10 a month. Oh, and when I say two young fighting girls, I don't mean actual girls. I mean my cats. Just wanted to clarify that. Yes. Well, Meow Manor, I know this is a short episode, Meow Manor, it was it was a thing on TV, and it was actually a worldwide phenomenon for a brief while. Yes. And we will be back next week with, just like this week, two episodes. Stay tuned for episode seven. We're not going to tell you what it's about. Oh, but oh yeah, we yeah we're having two episodes this week, double duty. Well, wait till next week because we're going to pull double duty again. We're going to follow the theme that we've had for the last two episodes. We're going to do another animal-themed show. We're not going to tell you what it is. We'll, we'll keep you waiting this week. And then we're going to have a bonus episode, and that's going to do with a certain holiday that's coming up in about a week and a half. So, Greg, thank you as always. And me, I'm Mike Klaus. And don't forget, we're all over social media. We're at Facebook, facebook.com slash it was the thing on TV. Instagram at instagram.com slash it was a thing on TV. On Twitter at twitter.com slash it was a thing on TV. And Tumblr, it was a thing on tv.tumblr.com. And you can always find us uh, at our homepage. And all our episodes, too, not just us. Actually, I don't even think you'll find us. You'll find our episodes, though, at itwasthethingontv.podbean.com. So until next week, when we cover two, two, two shows, because we love you, he's Greg, I'm Mike. Take care. We will talk very soon. Meow, meow manner. No, not as good. How was I supposed to do it? Wow! Meow Manor. Nudemin. Nudemin, I'm sorry. Wow! Nudemin. After these messages, we'll be right back.
It's Bob Hope's birthday special with guest stars Lucille Ball, Kirk Cameron, Emmanuel Lewis, and honored guest President Reagan. It's Bob Hope's Hotline birthday extravaganza Monday. It just wouldn't be Vegas without Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a show as fresh and invigorating as the pure oxygen we pump into the studio to keep the audience awake. On a special Wednesday Cheers, what's the secret of Sam's appeal? It holds the world's record for stuffing beer nuts up his nose. And on Night Court, Dan needs a date. Run for your lives, girls! <laughs> then on St. Elsewhere... I won't get Barbara up. The Craigs fight to keep their granddaughter. Come home Wednesday. So, have you heard about Molly Dodd? It's a wacky new comedy, right? Well, no, it's not. Oh, she's crying. It's a drama. Not exactly. Uh, then what is it? It's real. Like life? Yeah, sort of an uncommon comedy. Did you make that up? No, the writers did. <laughs> Today's and nights of Molly Dodd, an uncommon comedy, premieres Thursday. CBS Sports Break, sponsored by Contel. Good evening. At the NCAA tournament, Pittsburgh had two last chances to tie Oklahoma, but misfired on both attempts. DePaul had better luck today at the buzzer. Dallas Comagee's intentionally missing the free throw. Rod Strickland converting, sending the game to overtime, and DePaul beat St. John's and will now meet LSU, a winner over Temple. More after this. When the Brayburn Country Club set up their computer system, they called Contel. Good call. Contel also designed a computerized news update system used by 35,000 stockbrokers. For Contel, I'm Charlton Hassett. Georgetown, top seed in the southeast, will now face Kansas. Danny Manning with a career-high 42. Florida stunned Purdue, and Syracuse was a winner today. For CBS Sports Break, I'm Jim Nance. Over 15 million people are enjoying the closest thing to a perfect shave with the Gillette Track 2 razor. Track 2 gets as close as I think a razor can get. Well, I think the Track 2 is about the greatest razor I've ever used, sir. Track 2 is like feeling his face. There's like peach fuzz. I couldn't believe it. The first blade cuts and then the second blade gets it before it gets back into the skin. If you don't believe me, come over and use mine first before you buy one. The Gillette Track 2 shaving system, the closest thing to a perfect shave. It's Atari's video game, Defender. I played on ColecoVision. Activision. I played on ColecoVision. Mattel's M-Network and Imagic. We, we played them on ColecoVision. Introducing ColecoVision's first expansion module that lets you play all Atari 2600 compatible cartridges. And with all of ColecoVision's cartridges, that means you can play more games than any other video game system. It's simple. You can play Atari 2600 cartridges on ColecoVision, but you can't play ColecoVision on Atari. Because your vision is our vision. ColecoVision. Gary Coleman is going to college, and higher education will never be the same as he tackles Robert Guillaume and Campus Cuties and the Kid with the 200 IQ. One week from tonight. Welcome to the It Was a Thing on TV podcast, episode 7, submission 343. And yes, we really do have that many submissions. Uh, actually, more than that now. Submission 343 is Lidsville. This was a children's program on ABC, which aired from September 11th, 1971, until September of 1972, then was in repeats from 72 to 73, for a total of 17 episodes. In the middle of the summer, in the middle of a park, there began a great adventure for a boy whose name was Mark. He had come to see the magic man with all the children and twas so began the day that Mark was never to forget 
He performed all sorts of miracles, and Mark was so impressed that when the time arrived to go, he lagged behind the rest. Then quietly he did return the secret of the hat to learn, but everyone had gone away, and darkness held a threat. The moment that he touched the hat, the room began to glow, and as he put it down and ran, the hat began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Fascinated still he had to see There was something deep inside the hat What could that something be? Then cautiously each step he took He climbed upon the brim to look And all at once the hat began to shake And rock Look out! <laughs> falling, falling Into the head he fell Spinning, turning Whirling, twirling How's that for a chopper? And there you heard the theme of the show, which pretty much outlines many things. It outlines the plot. Um, where uh, young Mark, who's played by by Butch Patrick, who was Eddie Munster, he uh, gets a little curious after a magic show being done by uh, a, a magician named Merlo. Merlo, or, Merlo, Merlo yes. Merlo. Played well, by like, Charles Nelson Riley. Well, like the wine. Yeah, played by Charles Nelson Riley. He goes backstage curious as to what the real magic is. And uh, Merlo's uh, top hat suddenly grows in size. It's life uh, life size. Uh, big enough for Mark to climb on the brim of the hat. And magically, once he gets on top of the hat, the hat starts shaking and Mark falls into the hat. And no, he just doesn't fall into the hat. He falls into like whatever dimension that Ed Bagley's TARDIS that runs on vegetable oil goes through. He goes through like the fifth dimension or the, the eighth dimension or whatnot and, and ends up landing in a land called Lidsville, which is inhabited. And, and th this is like a, a bad like hallucination or something. Somebody had to have been on like tons of marijuana or other recreational drugs back in the late uh, 60s slash early 70s. Uh, the characters in Lidsville are all pretty much hats. They're, they're, they're people wh whose heads have been replaced with hats or are hats. And, uh, and not even people because uh, there are other characters than, let's say, human being bodies. We'll get into that in a second. But this is like the ultimate like hallucinogenic TV show. And I say that because even like there may have been a sense of some reality in other Sid and Marty Croft shows like uh, H.R. Puff and stuff. Uh, and um, 
and, and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Yeah, I mean, they were ridiculous. But, I mean, this is, like, over-the-top ridiculous. How much, you know, how many mushrooms were you eating at the time? Or how much were you, you inhaling? It's crazy. Oh, man. What a... What an this is just something else. This show, it, it, it's 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 trippy. It's psychedelic. I mean, I, I understand that the late '60s and early '70s were, you know, sort of influenced by that. You, you had very weird fashions going on, and it, it's just this is like over the top. It's 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 surreal. And not only to mention, uh, getting back to the opening for a second. Why is there a magic show at Six Flags? Well, as I speculated, I think, yeah, Six Flags back in the 70s, the early 70s at least, wasn't, I mean, they had roller coasters, but also, like other amusement parks, they had uh, other attractions, stage shows. Magicians is within the realm of possibility, even though I've never seen one at any of the amusement parks I've ever gone to. It's feasible that there was a magic show because there were no video game arcades in the early 70s. They may have had the the games where you shoot the clown's nose or or the the bullseye or whatnot and inflate the balloon or what have you. But um, you got to remember that technology in the early 70s wasn't the same as it is nowadays or even 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, if only... Maybe they had some Gottlieb pinball machines at Six Flags back then. Who knows? They might have. They they might have. But obviously the arcade machine was pretty much beginning at that time. Uh, and even then there were just a handful of, of names around. And they were very primitive. So there are uh, – there's actually only three real, truly human characters in Lidsville in terms of actors that are being credited on the show – who aren't these Lidsville characters. We mentioned Butch Patrick, who is better known for playing Eddie Munster on the Munsters. And then we have Weenie the Genie, who is played by Billy Hayes, who actually is a veteran of Sid and Marty Croft shows. She was witchy-pooed on H.R. Puffin stuff. She did a bunch of voice work. Uh, Just taking a look at uh, what she did... Uh, she did Tailspin, Johnny Bravo, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Rugrats, and one of our favorites. And, oh, this might be an entry. Well, this wouldn't be an entry for a bad show, but this is a show I love and I have on DVD. Duckman. Oh, yes. Duckman. Duckman. I think that may have to go in our... Uh, then we may need to do some sort of special induction for that because Duckman is was a great show back in the day. And then the third character, as Greg mentioned, uh, was Hoodoo, the evil magician, uh, who was played by Charles Nelson Riley, who also played Merlot the magician, the good magician. So maybe if if Charles Nelson Riley is the good magician in the real world, and he's playing the evil magician in this alternate world. Maybe there's, it's like reverse, you know, a reverse land. 
maybe it's kind of like uh, on Twin Peaks, like how there's the Black Lodge version of Dale Cooper, and then there's the real world version of Dale Cooper. So I'm trying to wonder, is is there like a, an equivalent of Dougie Jones for Charles Nelson Riley? I don't know. There's the good Merlot Charles Nelson Riley. There's the evil witchy, uh, or, or the evil. <laughs> The, the, there's the evil hoodoo Charles Nelson Riley, and then the third one is the match game Charles Riley. We get a, a couple months later. Actually, now I'm sorry. This would have coincided with Match Game because Match Game premiered in July of '73, and this the reruns ended in September of '73. So there would have been an overlap. Yeah, oh, now this like confuses everything. How many worlds is Charles Nelson Riley living in? Ha <laughs> So, uh, Hoodoo had his own band of hats, the Bad Hats, and uh, he had four of them. One was Mr. Big, who was a gangster type of hat. Oh, and this is going to get very stereotypical. I apologize in advance, but this is the 1970s, not the, the 2010s or coming on the 2020s. So, they got away with a lot more stuff that wouldn't fly nowadays, and I just want to apologize in advance. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so you have your gangster uh, fedora, who was the leader of the Bad Hats, and then you have Captain Hooknose, who had a pirate hat, and he literally had a hook for a nose. Wow, what a but, shock! A pirate hat, and he has a hook instead of a nose because he's Captain Hooknose. And he did the usual pirate yar yar the the the, the pirate. Uh, accent or, or voice, the, the typical pirate voice. And then there is Bella, which was a vampire hat. And of course, it would be Bella Lugosi that's being impersonated. And they even called it Bella. And then the fourth one was named Boris. And it was an impersonation of Peter Laurie. And Boris wore an executioner's hood. Boy, those are four bad hats. Wouldn't want to run into the pirate or or the, the gangster or the vampire or the executioner going down the street. Oh, no. You would not want to. So those are the bad hats. But there's plenty of good hats. And, again, the stereotyping is, like, knee-deep. So don't send me emails. Don't write letters. We're just the messengers. Yes, blame Sid and Morty Croft. They created this. Exactly. And it was, again, one giant drug trip, acid trip. So, yeah, they, they did some wacky stuff back in the 70s. There was the Imperial Wizard who was the evil wizard who was Hoodoo's master. So Hoodoo actually had somebody above him. Uh, and now we start the stereotyping. There was Ra-Ra, Sisboomba who is a football helmet, a football helmet. And the football helmet had the stereotypical dumb jock sort of uh, behavior, acting really dopey, doing really dopey stuff. And again, just stereotyping out the wazoo. Uh, there was a party hat, which actually had a, a party favor for a nose. So whenever the, the party hat talked, Madam Ring-a-Ding, the party favor went out. Brrr, 
you know how uh, if you blow a party favor, that little curl of paper extends out. That's what the nose was. You have to remember, Mike, this is 2019. Not a lot of our audience wouldn't know what that is. There's still party favors. What are you talking about? I mean, it's not like, you know, people don't have birthday parties or, or have party favors anymore, especially given, you know, hey, as hey, of today, dear. in a month and a half, we're going to have New Year's. Hey, so, Mike, everyone does that crap on Messenger or Facebook or whatever now. There was also Mother Wheels. An elderly gray-haired motorcycle helmet. Oh, that's what that was. I was watching an episode earlier today, and there was this old woman. I didn't know what the, her deal was. I thought it was like the Hatsville version of Nidra Vols. And it's a gray-haired motorcycle helmet. Okay, that doesn't make a lick of sense, but whatever. There was Nursey, who was a nurse, wearing a nurse hat with a little red cross on it. Uh, there was a beanie hat called Twirly, and it was, uh, is the youngest, uh, person living in, in Lidsville, spoke with a little baby voice, and he could use his propeller to fly. Oh, how cute. Even, even though I didn't see that in the episodes I saw. Then we have Colonel Poom. Yeah, Colonel Poom, and then, again, this is another stereotype. He was, like, the stereotypical... Like uh, Stanley and Livingston Explorer wore a pith hat or pith helmet and ha had like that British voice, that, that British accent. Good day, sir. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and, and actually, he was a hunter slash explorer. Again, hunter can't really use that nowadays. We don't go hunting for animals. That's not good. But again, 1971, they could kill all the elephants they want. Yeah, you could get all the trophy animals you want back in 1971. And, okay, here's where the quasi-racism oh, comes in. Oh, no. Yeah, buckle up. Mr. Chow. Oh, Jesus. And he, he wore a chef's uh, hat and had a long mustache, and he had a very stereotypical Chinese accent. What a shock. Yeah, and, and it, there's more than that. I mean, that that was your stereotypical Chinese character, and then next was the stereotypical French character, uh, Pierre Le Sewer. And, and actually, he lived in a sewer, but he, his character never like really came out of the ground. His head would pop up out of this sewer grate, this this sewer uh, hole. And, you know, he'd say his line and then boom goes his uh, down goes his his beret, sort of like a manhole cover. Wow. And also it says it was never explained in the series why he can't leave the sewers. So that was probably one of the unanswered questions from Lidsville. Why can't why does Pierre Le Sewer not leave the sewers? And then we have Scorchy and, and Scorchy was actually not really a human. Scorchy was a fire hydrant. A walking, talking fire hydrant. And it, had a, and it had a hose, a fire hose for a nose. But the big thing is that Scorchy did was anytime Hoodoo was coming by to cause mischief, Hoodoo would run around all crazy, warning, warning, warning. Or not, didn't say warning, but uh, who, uh, Scorchy was the lookout for 
the uh, gang of bad characters coming to Lidsville to to cause mayhem. And then another stereotypical voice, Tex. And what do you think Tex was? A cowboy hat. Te- Tex. If when I talk Texas, the hat that comes to mind is a cowboy hat. And let's make it even more stereotypical. Who's probably the most famous actor to wear a cowboy hat? Well, Pilgrim, it's probably John Wayne. It is John Wayne. And he had that little drawl that John Wayne had. Uh, I I mean, the stereotyping is just ridiculous on this thing. I had one observation about Tex. Okay. Tex, to me, looked like... Do you remember in... Never in Spaceballs, the comb the desert scene. Yes, absolutely. Well, do you remember that Darth Vader had a... Not the Darth... Darth Vader. The Darth Vader analogy, which would be Rick Moranis' Dark Element character, was wearing a a hat that kind of sort of resembled Tex to cover his face. Are you saying that Spaceballs stole that from Lidsville? Well, I'm not saying that Mel Brooks stole anything from Lidsville, but it's... It's very suspicious to me. After uh, Tex, we have Tonsolini. Tonsolini, that, that's a real attractive name. Uh, look at the first part of that name, Tonsil. Uh, it, it was an opera singing hat. And every bit of dialogue that Tonsolini had was singing in an operatic manner. Wow. Then you had Hiram who was a farmer's straw hat. And uh, there was a talking piglet, which I didn't see. So obviously I didn't go through enough episodes. There's a talking piglet named Little Ben that was carried by Hiram. Interesting. Uh, so so uh, obviously this, this piglet is another, well, non-hat member of Lidsville. So now Lidsville has... These well, not necessarily two human, three human characters, because really, well, Hoodoo was a magician, so an evil magician, so that would be human, I would guess, but he had green skin, and then uh, Billy Hayes played the genie, and I don't think a genie would really be considered a human. So now that brings up brings up a bigger question: How did a pig end up in Lidsville? Maybe maybe the pig fell into magic hat. Who knows? I mean, it is. It does say that it was. I don't know. I mean, maybe the pig escaped from the the animal farm on Six Flags Over Texas, went into the hat. There you go. I think we solved a mystery. Yes. And then uh, there was Admiral Scuttlebutt. What? Admiral Scuttlebutt, yes. That is and a terrible name. Admiral Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt, yes. Admiral Scuttlebutt. Uh, and he was a, a green admiral hat and only talked in naval cliches. And then uh, here goes more racism. Oh. This is the last character, by the way, but buckle down. Thank this God. is like, if you thought Mr. Chow was offensive... Big Chief Sitting Duck. What? It was an Indian uh, headdress, and his body was covered by a thick Indian blanket, and he spoke with that, you know, uh, stereotypical Indian accent or Native American accent. 
you know, how? What are you doing, white man? Something like that. Oh, Christ. Yeah, like I said, more blatant racism. If if they knew then what we know now, that's, yeah, just really absolutely bizarre. And, again, that was the 70s, a little more innocent time, but not something that would be very political politically correct nowadays. So the main thing that uh, happened in Lidsville, Hoodoo the Magician was always trying to take over Lidsville by just causing mischief in the life of, of its residents. Uh, there was a time he had a brainwashing machine and encouraged them to go in the brainwashing machine, Pied Piper of Hamelin style, playing a little flute and, oh, they're, you know, prancing down uh, the main corridor in Lidsville or whatnot into the machine where he set everybody to be like, obedient or subservient to be his and this is not my word i believe this is actually used on the show his slaves oh oh <laughs> well i i'm i'm just i mean like i said i'm just the, the messenger here and i am pretty sure like 99 sure the word you are or the phrase you are now my slaves was used or some variant thereof. The, the word slaves was used. So, again, not cool for 2019. 1971, it, it really isn't a big deal back then. So, again, we're just the messengers. Don't shoot us. It, it was a different time. Uh, but also, you know, Hoodoo did other things uh, against the Lidsville residents. There was one episode which actually I saw that uh, the Lidsville characters were trying to hold a charity event for the old hat home for the, for the aged and elderly and hoodoo came by and stole their money. And then to make matters worse, he didn't just steal their, their funds that they raised. He also aged them all to be old. So everybody had old uh, gray hair beards on, on the men, old great gla- granny glasses on the ladies and again, this is like absurd. It's beyond absurd. And then in the end, uh, Mark, the main character, and uh, the genie, they uh, went to Hoodoo's hideout, which was a giant top hat. It was a giant magician's hat. So wait a minute. Is it Hatception? There's a show inside of a hat. And the main villain lives inside another hat? Yeah, he, he lives in, in like a, a top hat slash magician's hat, yes. Size 13 and 7 eighths, in case you're wondering. And it actually does say that on the show, if you actually look. Uh, his address is 13 and 7 eighths, and inside the hat, it, it, when they're showing inside his, his quarters, there's a sign on the wall that says size 13 and 7 eighths. So they tried making it look like a real hat, at least in that way. So, yeah, they went to his his hideout, and they used a giant body-length mirror. He was going to transform them back into... He, he normalized them because he felt wrong for cheating them or something like that. But then at the end, he was going to change them back into elderly people, and they held out a mirror, 
And how does this work? You'd think if he held out the mirror, his little rays would bounce back at him and turn him into an old man. No, instead, they turn him into a little baby. What? We get baby Charles Nelson Riley? Well, it's not baby Charles Nelson Riley more than it is miniaturizing Charles Nelson Riley through the use of, of special effects. Okay, so it's not quite... And by the way, spoiler in case you haven't watched through episode two of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, it's not quite Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's adorable. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want a Baby Yoda of my own right now. <laughs> Who wouldn't hey. want a Baby Yoda? Hey, Bananos, do you want a Baby Yoda? She'd like that. She'd think it's like a giant play toy and just like slap it around. So, yeah, some of the other adventures they got into. Uh,. Episode one, World in a Hat. This is basically setting up everything. After falling into the magician's hat and discovering a magical world, Mark is mistaken for a spy by the tyrannical hoodoo and his cohorts, including Weenie the good-natured genie. Weenie the genie. How cute is that? Oh, yes. Then we go to episode two. Show me the way to go home. Colonel Poom navigates Mark and Weenie the genie through the hair forest, the shampoo river, and other exotic locales on their way to find the golden ladder. Hoodoo and associates scramble to stop them and ultimately unleash Big Daddy Hoodoo. Okay, that must be where they do the special effects. Instead of turning him into a small baby Charles Nelson Riley, they then turn it into Attack of the 50-Foot Charles Nelson Riley. Taking a line from last week. Not Attack of the 50-Foot Dog, Attack of the 50-Foot Charles Nelson Riley. Whoa. That's that's a super match. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did I really say that? Hey, oh, my. hey, hey, Mike. At least you didn't take forever to make that joke, unlike Tom Poston. Uh, hey, another future episode. We'll, we'll, get, we'll talk about that later. Episode three, fly now, vacuum later. When Mark attempts to uh, get away by magic carpet, Hoodoo summons a giant vacuum cleaner to swallow the boy, leaving it up to Weenie to, remount, to, Weenie to mount a rescue. I can't even say it with a straight face. How, how would it be possible to suck up Mark in a giant vacuum cleaner? Well, now just hold on a second. We, we, we need to remember that. Lidsville is in this land created by this life-size, this five-foot-in-diameter magic hat. So would it be a normal vacuum cleaner and somehow Mark got miniaturized when he fell down the hat? Or is it like like a, a portal into another dimension? I mean, again, the, there's unanswered questions here, all because, you know, Sid and Marty Croft had too many edibles you know, there's got to be something that explains, you know, is it like the world miniaturized or a smaller size or was it a portal to a a world of regular sized creatures? And but I think you had a bigger question. How do they get a big vacuum cleaner down there? Do they just go to the big Best Buy store and go get one? And then no. what type of vacuum cleaner? But then, then what type of vacuum cleaner is it? Is it a regular upright vacuum cleaner, or is it one of those with the hose that you would have seen back in the 60s and 70s with that giant cylindrical tank? Well, it wouldn't be the big Best Buy store, Mike. It would probably be, in 1971, the big 
Montgomery Ward store or something. Oh, would have been, it would have been the big Woolworth. You're right about that. Yeah, Best Buy came a little bit later. Now we're we're totally like transforming it. We're going from 1971 now to the early 90s. Somehow we're like mixing worlds up here. Episode four was Weenie Weenie Where's Our Genie. I that title. I'm sorry. Weenie Weenie Where's Our Genie. There's jokes there that you can probably listen to on. It was the thing on TV after dark. When Weenie runs away, Hoodoo kidnaps Nursey and Scorchy and holds them for a ransom until Genie is until the Genie is returned. Boy, that sounds fun. Let's hear it for Wizzo, episode five. Hoodoo evicts the residents of Lidsville, so Mark disguises him as a rival wizard and challenges Hoodoo to a duel. Oh my goodness! It's the Alexander Hamilton Aaron Burr duel in Lidsville. And nobody dies amazingly because there's still more episodes. That's that's amazing. That that's that's the fabulous world of Sid and Marty Croft. Is there a mayor in the house? Mark suggests the citizens elect a mayor, so Hoodoo goes out of his way to rig the election. Now, oh, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. Oh gee, that's not that's not timely. Where's I'm the president? Not, of I, I'm not what, saying a word. I'm taking the did, high ground. Did Hoodoo? Did Hoodoo contact the uh the whatever the Lidsville equivalent of the president of Ukraine is? Yes, because they found out that Mark's uh, son was working in an oil rig there. Episode seven. Take me to your rabbit, Raunchy Rabbit, who is the the rabbit sidekick of of Hoodoo. Raunchy Rabbit takes control of Hoodoo's magical powers after they're struck by lightning. Wasn't that the basis for an episode of Auto Man or, or Manimal or something? Is there a Woodsville equivalent of zippers? <laughs> no, I'm not going there either. You're not dragging me into this conversation. Take your hat off. No, no. Um, oh, episode eight. This is the one I saw. Have I got a girl for hoodoo? Hoodoo uses a Lonely Hearts Club to land a date with Wilmina W. Witchy Poo from H.R. Puffin Stuff. So Mark summons his feminine wiles and tries to break them up. So yes, so so we have Witchy Poo, who's also played by Billy Hayes, who plays the genie on Woodsville. He, she ends up with Hoodoo, and so Mark breaks them up. He dresses in drag. And then somehow at the end of the episode, Witchy Poo ends up with HR Puffin Stuff. That's right, they got HR Puffin Stuff to make a cameo in this episode. Episode 9, Mark and the Beanstalk. This one I actually need to, to look at because this, this looks like it's very, very weird. Uh, when a magic beanstalk sprouts in Lidsville, Hoodoo disguises himself as Mark and attempts to escape to the real world. Oh my God! I, like I said, this is another parallel with Twin Peaks. How you have the Black Lodge version of Cooper and the real Cooper. How the Black Lodge version of Cooper escaped the Black Lodge and went to our reality for 25 years. Uh, what it? What would have happened if Hoodoo made it out into the real world? What would have happened to the other magician, um, Merlot? 
what would have happened if, if Hoodoo had actually escaped and made it to the real world? Would he have put Merlo in the hat? You're thinking on way too deep a level for this time of night. I, like I said, I'll have to, to look at that one because that, that sounds very interesting. Uh, episode 10, turn in your turban, you're through. Hoodoo gives Mark Weenie's magic powers and uses the boy as his personal servant. Trippy. 11, alias the Imperial Wizard. Hoodoo crashes Weenie's birthday party and kidnaps several good hat people to plan a bir- uh, party for the Imperial Wizard. Who we discussed before, who is Hoodoo's master. Right. A little Hoodoo goes a long way. The bad hats plot to overthrow Hoodoo. Meanwhile, Weenie comes down with the Alibaba virus. No! Yeah. The Alibaba virus. I'm not... Okay, that's another one I'm going to have to look up. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to spend my weekend watching this very whacked-out show. Uh, Oh, brother. Who does good-natured twin brother Bruce? How the hell... Does Hoodoo have a twin brother named Bruce? Hold, I mean, hold it, up. Should been, it should have been like Voodoo. Hoodoo and Voodoo. No, here's my twin brother, Bruce. Hold up. I'm, I'm going to look this up. Hoodoo's good-natured twin brother, Bruce, arrives while he's away and causes great confusion in Lidsville. Please say this is on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Oh, gosh. Oh, I picked the wrong episodes to watch. Hoodoo Who is episode 14. The Bad Hats run amok when Hoodoo comes down with amnesia. Hoodoo comes down with amnesia. I. You get the idea the plot lines were running really thin after about episode 11 or so. And then episode 15, I, I mentioned this earlier. The old hat home. Hoodoo crashes the good hat people's charity event and turns them all into senior citizens. And ultimately, he turns them back into regular creatures. And uh, they sort of turn against him. Or at the end, they have this giant full-length mirror. And when Hoodoo tries zapping them, he zaps himself and turns into a little baby and it's like I said, it's just trippy. Okay, I found the uh, the episode. So apparently, the difference between so Hoodoo's twin brother Bruce looks exactly like Hoodoo, except the only difference is he's he's wearing all white to signify his good nature, and he's got a white top hat on. Is his skin white or is his skin green? Oh, his skin's green. Oh gosh. Okay. So I guess he's his identical twin brother then. So wait, if he's wearing all white and Hoodoo usually wears all black, where's the confusion? Or if you're somebody in Lizville, are you going to say, "Hey Hoodoo, why are you not wearing your black outfit you've worn for the other 18 episodes?" <laughs> it's in the shop. <laughs> Maybe the, uh, I'm guessing they're trying to make these kids, uh, these kid show characters, 
as naive as maybe little kids would have been watching this because maybe the kids wouldn't have noticed it. You know, maybe some of the perceptive ones, oh, who is wearing a, a white suit, not a black suit? I, I don't get it. Episode 16. And this the is the brain, other one I watched, yes. The Great Brain Robbery. Hoodoo plays the Pied Piper and lures the good hat people into his brainwash machine to create an army to conquer the Imperial Wizard. Which never actually gets done because Mark interferes. Uh, he gets a hold of this magic flute that Hoodoo played. It was in Hoodoo's lair. And, oh, Hoodoo's lair. I'm going to get into that after we get through the last episode. Oh, there's only 17 episodes, not 19, so uh, my bad math there. Uh, he goes into Hoodoo's lair, gets the magic flute, goes back to Lidsville, starts playing the music, and uh, the, the Lidsville residents were all, again, like I said earlier, subservient, let's say. Let's not use the other S word. We'll use subservient, obedient. And they were following Hoodoo's orders, but when Hoodoo wasn't there, they were... Uh, subservient and obedient to whomever was there that wasn't one of them. And Mark was that person because Hoodoo was gone. So he went there, played the magic flute. They all did their little dance back into the brainwashing machine. But now the brainwashing machine had like 12 different settings. So, yeah, you can make them angry or happy or maybe normal. or and I mean, there were some good ones and some bad ones. But so the machine was turned on to happy or good or, or whatnot. And everybody came out as, as kind. I think that's what it was, was kind. And so they're out as normal, but also at the same time, uh, hoodoo and, uh, and the raunchy rabbit and the deck of cards who we haven't even talked about the Jack of clubs, which is a walking deck of playing cards Who's like a henchman for for hoodoo, and it has it's it, 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 thick like a deck of cards, but it has a jack of clubs as the the card the the face that's facing out, and both the mouths on the jack of clubs can move, which is kind of creepy. But so all three of those characters, the jack of clubs, the the raunchy rabbit, and hoodoo, go into the machine. Uh, under the kind setting, and they come out and say, oh, you're such a kind person, Hoodoo. You're such a kind person, Raunchy Rabbit. Oh, I think you're all so kind. And they, like, have a group hug, and, yeah, and everybody in Lidsville's laughing at him because now they're not evil, they're nice. And it, 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 it's, it, the more I think about this, the, the greater chance I'm going to have an aneurysm. I'm sorry. <laughs> But the Jack and Clubs, where was Jim Perry when you needed him? He was still in Canada, I think. He was doing Headline Hunters, I think, or whatever that was. Uh, the, the last one. Oh, and the last one isn't even a real episode. In It's called Mommy Hoodoo. In this clip episode, Hoodoo's mother comes to Lizville while her son is away, and all the inhabitants try to convince her that hoodoo is still as bad as he ever was. You know what I'd ask her? Why did you name one son hoodoo and you named your other son Bruce? That's a really good question. Again, it should be hoodoo and voodoo or maybe Bruce and George. But George isn't really a great name for somebody, some evil magician. 
oh, look, there's George in the sky. No, there's Hoodoo in the sky. That There's a, a big difference there. So, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier about Hoodoo's lair, which is a giant top hat slash magician's hat. And there were so many bizarre things in the, uh, in that lair, which were essentially living. Uh, I mean, they were walking around or moving their mouth. There was a skull that moved its mouth, you know, made uh, had a voice, made jokes and stuff like that. Um, there was a, a sawed body. If you know, like the old magic trick where you saw somebody in half, the bottom half was actually living and would run around. The bottom half. So you just saw this box, which looked like like a giant die. It looked like you know, a, a die with no face on it, no pips. And it would just run around. That was a little creepy. For a number of reasons. I mean, number one, you know, how tall was the person that fit that? Because, I mean, this box wasn't that big. And it couldn't have been, you know, it wasn't CGI, obviously. It couldn't have been computer graphics. It was somebody running around. But, I mean, this box couldn't have been more than probably about 18 inches tall, maybe two feet tall. It was just, like I said, weird. And then there was, like, uh, some sort of, like, serpent head on the wall, or maybe it's a dragon, but it didn't really breathe out fire. And that spoke... And that actually, that dragon's head was where that magic flute was hiding in the uh, the episode we mentioned earlier, the Great Brain Robbery. Uh, Mark actually went, it grabbed, reached into the mouth of the dragon head or whatever it is while the dragon head was sleeping and the flute was in his mouth. Which brings up another question. How did this dragon or this creature not choke to death with this foot and a half or two foot long flute in its mouth. You got my <laughs> the, the deep questions that are coming from all of this. Yeah, that's enough deep questions I want to have about this show. The, this, this is about as deep as I want to get in this show. It's just, I, all, all I'm going to just add to this is how did this come about? How did this come to my mind? I didn't search this out. But I remember probably about 25 years ago at this point, either VH1 or Nick at Night had either a night devoted to Sid and Marty Croft shows, or maybe it was a weekend. I think it was just a night, like either a Friday night or a Saturday night. And they showed H.R. Puffin stuff and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. And I think there were a couple of other shows they showed. But I remember they showed Lidsville. Even back then, 25 years ago, I thought this was, like, really absurd and trippy. My sister, who would have been probably about 14 or 15 at the time, she was, like, totally into all this. This is the coolest stuff ever. And they were only showing it one night. I remember that, actually, whichever station was doing this, they offered or had for sale an HR Puff and Stuff t-shirt, which my sister actually bought. She was that much of a fan of these, these hallucinogenic TV shows. 
but yeah, and and we're gonna do more on Sid and Marty Croft in the future because we have, I think, at the very least, three possible entries. Yeah, uh, Sid and Marty Croft related. Yeah, I mean, I can think of at least, I think, two. There's gotta be two, maybe even three. And uh, actually, the the one that immediately came to mind isn't H.R. Puff and stuff or Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Uh, it's actually a variety show. Well, won't say which one, but if if you know about Sid and Marty Croft and, and the Croft puppets, you know what variety show that they were associated with back about 40, 38 years ago. Yes. And believe it or not, it's mostly not about puppets. It's Oh, yeah. The, the puppets were like secondary. It was sort of like Hee Haw, but without uh, Roy Clark. Yeah. And Junior Samples. And Victoria Holman. And Victoria Holman. There you go. <laughs> you had to throw the Victoria Holman reference. You see her once on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, and now anytime you hear Hee Haw and Victoria Holman. Oh, yeah. Oh, Victoria Holman, she she hauled her way into my heart, let me tell you. Victoria Holman hauled her way into your heart? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was Lidsville, and yes, that was a thing on TV. We'll see you next week, where we're going to have another week of two episodes. We're going to have our regular episode, but also we're going to have a little bonus mini-sode of sorts. Related to something having to do with the holiday coming up in about a week. Well, a week, week and a half at this point. So stay tuned for that. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Everybody there wears a hat. Everybody knows where it's at. In the land of hats, that's Lidsville. You can find it on magic maps. Where the mountains wear mountain caps. Lined with welcome mats, that's Lidsville. I've seen people put on hats and then they tie or pin them. In Lidsville, there's no need for that because they live right in them. So if you bump into a bonnet with ears and eyes and nose upon it, nope, you haven't gone bats. That's Lidsville. Liddy, Liddy, Liddyville. Not to be confused with Lady Grittyville, the land of living hats. That's Lidsville. Wow! Lidsville. Oh, jeez. That, that actually works with that for some reason. <laughs>